What are you looking for? It's a question most of us have asked ourselves or others. As humans, we are naturally curious and we always seem to be looking for something, a place to eat, where we left our phone, a pair of pants in the right size, a movie to watch. And thanks to the internet, most of the time we can find what we're looking for pretty easily. <clears throat> a quick Google search will help us find a restaurant, that pair of pants, and a movie. A tap on the Find My Phone app will give us a ding to follow until we find the device stuck beneath a couch cushion, of course. But when it comes to God and spiritual things, things invisible and ineffable, it might be more difficult for us to identify what we're seeking or to know when we've found it. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a Find My God app that would go ding, ding, ding whenever we sought God and a godly Google where we could ask all our deepest questions. Our gospel text today is all about looking for and seeing God. I challenge you to listen for all the words associated with seeing as we go through this story. This is a perfect text for the season of Epiphany because the word Epiphany means appearance of God, God manifested before our eyes. We are invited to see, to be seen, and to respond. The first part of our gospel story focuses on John testifying to what he saw, or rather, who he saw. First, when he saw Jesus coming toward him, he declared, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John boldly makes a declaration about who Jesus is. This declaration is significant because in the Gospel of John, Jesus is identified as the Paschal Lamb. During the Passover festival, on the day of preparation, the Jews sacrificed a lamb in remembrance of the day when God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. John later describes Jesus' crucifixion happening on the day of preparation. Thus, John identifies Jesus as the Lamb of God who initiates a new Passover and a new Exodus. Second, Rather than participating in the baptism of Jesus as he does in the other Gospels, John testifies about what he observed at Jesus' baptism. He saw the Spirit descending like a dove from heaven on Jesus and remaining on him. He hears God say that Jesus, with whom the Spirit abides, is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John concludes that he has seen the chosen one. The second part of the gospel text describes how the first disciples discovered Jesus. Unlike the other gospels, Jesus does not command the first disciples to follow him. Instead, they go after Jesus because of John's testimony about him. John was with the two disciples as he watched Jesus walk by. He declared to them, look, here is the Lamb of God. John's testimony initiated an exodus of sorts. His two disciples left him 
to follow Jesus. When Jesus saw them following, he asked them the question I asked you at the beginning. What are you looking for? It's an interesting and astute question, isn't it? Not who are you looking for or why are you following me, but what are you looking for? What were these two former disciples of John expecting of Jesus? The disciples didn't answer Jesus' question. Perhaps they didn't know what they were looking for. Instead, they responded with their own question. Where are you staying? Jesus says, come and see. What a beautiful, open-ended invitation. The two disciples came and they saw. Clearly, whatever they were seeking, they found in Jesus because they remained or abided with him. One of the main emphases in the Gospel of John is remaining, abiding with Jesus. And this is what the disciples do. These first two disciples are initially unnamed, but we find out that one of them is Andrew. The other could be John, son of Zebedee, or perhaps his brother James, or the beloved disciple. The writer never identifies him. Regardless, the focus is on Andrew, whose first act after seeing Jesus is to go and find his brother Simon and to testify, we have found the Messiah. Then he brought Simon to Jesus. Before saying anything at all, Jesus looked at Simon. I wonder what Jesus was looking for. Did he see Simon's big heart and blundering mouth? Did he recognize a man who is destined to become a leader? Did he see the potential betrayal in those eyes? Perhaps he saw all of those things or none of them. But Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. And immediately he changed Simon's name. You are to be called Kepha. Kepha, which we usually hear as Cephas, which is the Latinized way of saying it. Kepha is the Aramaic word for rock or stone, which in Greek is Petra. Do you notice what's missing in John's version of the story? In the other Gospels, Jesus changes Peter's name after Peter's great confession, a story we'll talk about this Wednesday. Then Jesus declares that he will build his church on this rock. Presumably, in some way, Peter is involved with that. In John's Gospel, though, Peter's name is changed without any reference to something Peter did. So why did Jesus give Simon a new name? He didn't rename any of the other disciples. But when Jesus saw Simon, really looked at him, he renamed him Kepha, Rock. Now, name changes, in the Hebrew Bible at least, are very significant. They indicate that a person whose name is changed has a role in God's covenant. Abram's name was changed to Abraham. Sarai's name was changed to Sarah. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. When Jesus changed Simon's name, 
perhaps he was indicating that he would have a special role in Jesus's new covenant. Another possibility suggested by Isaiah 43.1, I have called you by name, you are mine. Perhaps by naming Peter, Jesus was claiming him as his own. Or maybe Jesus was ascertaining Peter's essence. He was a rock, sturdy, strong, unbreakable, and obstinate. Regardless, Peter is singled out by this special name change. Our gospel text emphasizes three things, seeing Jesus and recognizing who he is, following Jesus and accepting his open invitation to come and see, and allowing ourselves to be seen, named, and claimed as Jesus' own. When you look at Jesus, what do you see? John saw the Lamb of God and the Chosen One. Andrew and the other disciples saw Jesus as Rabbi and Messiah. In the verses immediately following our gospel text, Nathaniel sees Jesus as Son of God and King of Israel. What do you see? As followers of Jesus, we are invited to come and see. What are you looking for as a disciple? The two disciples said they wanted to know where Jesus was staying, but what they found was so much more than that. They found the Messiah. As followers of Jesus, we may not know exactly what we are looking for. And honestly, what we are looking for is probably not as important as the fact that we are looking. We can be sure that if we are seeking God, we will find much more than we are expecting. When Jesus looks at you, what does he see? Being seen, truly seen, can be uncomfortable and also comforting. We are stripped naked before God and all our pretension, pretensions melt away, but it is somehow wonderful to be so fully known, to be able to say, I've been truly seen. If Jesus were to rename you, what would he call you? Would he identify your very essence? What would that be? Like Peter, I imagine our names would be um, paradoxical and have multiple meanings. What are you looking for? We don't need a Find My God app or some divine search engine. We just need to be looking, following after God, desiring to abide with Christ, and willing to be truly known as we continue walking through the season of Epiphany, let us accept Jesus' invitation to come and see.